And what is going on, everybody? Welcome on into the Doghouse, episode number three of this 2023 season. I'm your host, Michael Keefe. Find me online at Garage Beers Mike. And we are live here on the OBR streaming network on this beautiful Tuesday. I know it doesn't feel like it for a lot of us Browns fans. We don't love the way this Tuesday feels because we didn't like how that Monday went. But it's a beautiful Tuesday. And the beautiful thing about the early parts of this NFL season is no matter what happens in week two, you always got week three and the season still alive. So it was a tough night. Obviously, uh, we will get into that. We'll get into the night of our uh, upcoming opponent, the day of our upcoming opponent, as they got a big win. Uh, this last weekend coming in off of that uh, and so much more. So I love having you on. I love that you're here with us in the doghouse. Make sure we, before we bring in my special guest, we got a great special guest. Make sure you tune in to everything OBR. The best, the biggest, uh, the oldest independent Brown site in Cleveland is the OBR. And uh, uh, you get all the best Browns coverage here, the, all the most in-depth coverage uh, and everything you could want on the OBR. So make sure you're subscribed on YouTube, on Twitch, and make sure you are subscribed over on the website as well. So be- without further ado, I-, I cannot wait for tonight. The first two people I talked to, I had to pretend like I was being nice to because I'm talking to a Bengals person and I'm talking to a Steelers person. And so I do, I want you all to know that was fake nice. I was being fake nice. I can't be nice to a Bengals and a Steelers person. And f- and forewarning to next week's Ravens guest, it's going to be fake nice. I can be really, I can actually be nice to this person because I-, I don't hate I don't. I can't hate on the Titans. I don't hate the Titans. They're an AFC opponent, but I can't hate on the Titans. They got a humongous win this last weekend over the perennially disappointing LA Chargers, uh, and and in a, in a really good game, an overtime game. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about the Browns. We're gonna we're gonna get at this from both sides uh, as we preview the Browns and the Tennessee Titans. So without further ado, uh, we are going to bring him in. He is the host of the number one daily. Titans podcast in the world, the Locked On Titans podcast. It's Tyler Rowland. Ty- Tyler, come on, voice. My words are not working for me tonight. Tyler, welcome into the Garage Beers podcast. Hey, uh, thank you so much for having me. Go ahead. I, it's it's a whole it's a whole. I have to tell you, my my mother called me four minutes before the show and told me she has COVID, and now I'm like, what's going on? Oh man. Well, I'm so, sorry to hear that. It's been a I tough did, tough 24 hours, right? I just. I, <laughs> I just introduced you to the wrong podcast, so that's super exciting. Hi, welcome to the doghouse is what I meant to say, Tyler, and we're just going to start over. How's that sound? <laughs> All right, sounds good. So, Tyler, you are the host of the uh, the Locked On Titans podcast. Uh, so what we like to do first, before we get into uh, uh, everything about this Browns-Titans upcoming mm-hmm. matchup, what we want to do first is... Just learn a little bit about you. Tell us about how you came to cover the Tennessee Titans, how long you've been doing that. Uh, are you originally a Nashville guy? And uh, just, you know, tell us a little bit about your backstory. Okay, so fun story right out of the bat. I'm from Ohio. Let's I, go. I, yeah, I, I'm big Buckeyes guy. I don't hate on the Browns out of the two Ohio teams. I prefer the Browns win to to the Bengals, who I'm closer to. I'm down here, I would say, closer to the jungle, not quite in Cincinnati, but around that area. So I'm an Ohio guy, and uh, as a as a nine-year-old kid, Eddie George with the Titans, Music City yeah. Miracle. I, I love Eddie, big Ohio State fan. He was running for him. He was, you know, a star there with Steve McNair. I don't know. They just captivated me. I grew up in a Packers household. My family came from Indiana to Ohio, um, in the 1900s, now we're history lesson, but yeah, so I had no allegiance to Browns or Bengals. And just as a nine-year-old kid, me and my brother picked the Titans because Eddie George and the run that they went on there. So, and here, 23, 24 years later, 
zero Super Bowls later. Um, I'm wondering what I was doing. You know what I mean? What was I doing at that time? Uh, but no, all jokes aside, uh, I've been a fan of the Titans for 25 years. For the last five years, I've covered the team for the Locked on Titans podcast, Locked on Titans YouTube channel. Um, I write for Sports Illustrated covering the team uh, at alltitans.com as of uh, February of this year. wrote for USA Today a little bit before that, just kind of did some film work and things like that. But yeah, I, I followed Eddie George to the Titans when I was a little kid, and and I just turned my, my passion and my talent and whatever into a career. Uh, I actually got let go from my regular day job. At one point in time, and the next day, I sent an email uh, to the owner of the Locked On Podcast Network, just hoping and wishing and praying, and uh, it all worked out. And it looks like it was uh, the best move for for both sides. So now I just cover the team every day um, on the Locked On Titans podcast and uh, write for Sports Illustrated, and it's been uh, it's been a dream come true. But uh, just getting to do stuff like this, I mean, it's just talking about football at the end of the day, and that's what I love the most. So very excited to to do that first and foremost. And thank you so much for having me on. And obviously hope, you know, everything works out. The next 24 is better than the last 24. Cause I know as a Browns fan, um, it could be a little difficult watching that game. It was tough for everybody. So. Yeah. Well, listen, we'll, we'll, we'll begrudgingly talk about it. I know I'm getting, people are, are pissed off at me in the comments. They're saying I'm, I'm, I'm being too positive or too upbeat. You gotta be, what else am I going to do? What else? What am I going to sit here and cry? Uh, no, but hey, listen, don't begrudge yourself for being a Titans fan without Super Bowls and championships because you could have picked one of the Ohio teams and it would have been, you know, the exact same. same. So right, you're, in, right, you're in the boat right. you would have been in. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. So listen, I again, the point of our show here on the Doghouse is uh, that we're going to have a, a two-sided view at this upcoming Sunday's game. It's in Cleveland. It's one o'clock on Sunday. Uh, at Cleveland Brown Stadium. Hopefully the weather's better than the last game at Cleveland Brown Stadium, although maybe the Browns needed that. Uh, and uh, and we've got the Titans coming in. And so, Tyler, let's, let's just kind of look back a little bit. Before we look ahead, let's look backwards a little bit. Week one was a disastrous week for the Titans. You played a not good New Orleans Saints team, uh, and Ryan Tannehill throws three interceptions, and defensively they looked pretty good. Uh, but offensively couldn't get much going. You lose to the Saints. Mm -hmm. You bounce back in a big way against, you know, the Chargers of the team. I mean, I'm sure you believe this too. The Chargers are the flashy team for everybody to pick every every yep. year because Justin yep. Herbert's good. And obviously without Austin Eckler, it changes the dynamic for them a little bit. But uh, they're a flashy team that people like to pick. And you guys, your Titans team came out last week and uh, went into overtime with the Chargers and got a humongous win. Uh, so let's just talk about that game a little bit. Uh, first of all, I will say this. I got to come out. I got to come clean on something, Tyler. Uh, I am a, I am, people hate me for this because I talk about it all the time. I am a Texas A&M Aggie. I am a graduate okay. at A&M. Uh, Ryan Tannehill was a wide receiver at Texas A&M when I was a right. student there. Right. I oh, okay. cannot stand Ryan Tannehill. Okay. <laughs> I cannot, fair. I cannot stand him. But I, so now I got to give him a little credit because in this game against the Chargers, uh, I think the first thing that jumps off the page at you in this game, especially after a tough week one with three interceptions, he was hyper efficient. 20 mm -hmm. of 24 passing, 246 yards, a touchdown. Uh, what's the what's the general consensus down there in Nashville on on Ryan Tannehill amongst Titans fans? Okay, well, we'll start here. I do want to say I don't think the Saints are a bad team. They're two and zero. Their defense mm -hmm. is their defense is good. They're probably going to win that division. 
I would say they're probably oh. going to be nine and eight, ten and seven. I I don't think that's a bad team. I think they'll be a they'll be an okay team, probably right around where the Titans will be. They'll be an okay team, maybe a little better because it's the NFC and blah 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 blah. But uh, Tannehill was just absolutely off in week one, just absolutely off. He was rusty. There was a few times he had pockets. He could have stepped up and moved around, but he's banging into his offensive lineman, holding the ball at his chest. You know, he was just, the guy broke his ankle against the chargers and week 15 or broken ankle, whatever the, they didn't tell us what the ankle injury was. They just, he had to have surgery on it, fix the ankle. Um, he had the ankle injury in week 15 last year and it's a brand new offensive line and a brand new offense. And I think he was just scared. He's 35 years old. He's playing against the saints who have a really good pass rush with cam Jordan. They're bringing pressure every time playing tight man coverage. And Tannehill was just a little scared uh, of getting hurt again. And, uh, it showed he, he missed reads. Um, he was immobile in the pocket, but then you flip to this week. And, you know, I got to say, while he was hyper-efficient with a 20 for 24, two total touchdowns, looked a lot better than he did in week one. At the same time, there were some misreads on tape. There were some open receivers that would have been bigger plays that it was a bit shocking that he missed. One time, Tajay Spears escapes out of the backfield. Easy dump-off pass to the right, and there's nobody with him. He walks in for a touchdown. Tannehill kind of misses it, so... While he was better in week two and he was good enough to get the Titans a win, and man, he really stared down some throws at the end of the game and got more comfortable and took some hits right in the chest, right in the chin, a couple penalties uh, for the hits that he took. He stared down the barrel of the gun and delivered balls like he has since he's become a Titan and what he's been really good at. He doesn't have great pocket presence. He doesn't move around a ton in the pocket, but he'll stare down the throw and make it in the face of pressure, and he did that. So he needs to be better and he was better than he was in week one, and it was good enough. But I think if you look deeper and you look into the tape and some of the missed opportunities that were there that other quarterbacks around the league are probably seeing and making in some of the restrictions of a 35-year-old, I think the general consensus should still be, hey, he's probably the best chance to win this year, but anything more than that is still a huge question. Um. When it comes to the rest of the Titans offense, I mean, the name you're just going to think of automatically is Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry ran the ball 25 times in the game uh, against the Chargers. Uh, let's talk about Derrick Henry for a minute, though, because the the numbers to start the year aren't the big gaudy numbers uh, that you're used to seeing from Derrick Henry. But we we talk about it a lot here, and obviously we've had what happened with Nick Chubb. But we talk a lot about how long do you hang on to a running back before the cliff starts to happen uh, and, and I don't know that that's even in the thought process down there in Tennessee, but a couple injury nag seasons by Derrick Henry, uh, and to start this year in mean, 25 for 80 yards and a touchdown, uh, is Derrick Henry still looking like the big, uh, uh, the force to be reckoned with, uh, or the, the speedy force to be reckoned with, I think is a better way to put it, uh, that he's yeah. looked like in the past. Well, I think that whether Titans fans want to admit it or not, if you watch the film and you look at the advanced data, and even some of the non-advanced data, just the regular, you know, what do we call the, the regular stats? Data. You know, like just yards per carry. Like, I don't know. There's no E's, no squares. You know, it's, it's just yards per carry. What but fun is all that? You, yeah, of course not. It's more fun to throw a, a digit on it and call it advanced and sound smarter. But <laughs> if you look at the yards per carry from his two big years in 2019 and 2020, over five yards per carry, you look at after the, I mean, he almost ran for a thousand yards and a half a season in 2021 right. before he broke his foot. But then when he comes back, 
You look at the yards per carry, then 4.2 comes back 2022. I think it's like 4.2 again, 4.3 right in that range. So it's fallen off an entire yard. And a lot of that has to do with the Titans blocking up front. Their offensive line has lost pieces and gotten worse. So it's not all Derrick Henry. But as somebody who, one of the things I specialize in, in my coverage is the film. And you're seeing Derrick Henry get brought down by arm tackles that typically he would run through. You're seeing Derrick Henry maybe not have that breakaway speed that you would want. So while I think Derrick Henry is still, this is how I would explain it. Rather than Derrick Henry being the toolbox, allow him to just be a tool. That will prolong his career, hopefully prolong his effectiveness. And at the end of the day, he's on the last year of his contract and the Titans didn't extend him. So you bring in Rand Carthon, the new general manager from San Francisco. He comes from a place where they have a committee. They've had a committee under Kyle Shanahan. Now they're going way heavy with Christian McCaffrey now, but for the four or five years before that, they were a committee team all the time rotating their running backs. So I think that if you look around at the Super Bowl champions in the NFL right now, the right thing to do is, is to have three cheap running backs rather than having one expensive one. That it's just the formula. The last 14 Super Bowls, their leading rusher has made less than $5 million a season. You just don't pay running backs a lot of money. It makes it impossible to construct a good roster. It's just not the way to do it. So Tajay Spears is a guy that we're probably going to talk about at some point. Uh, well, you're getting a question. You're getting a question right here from our good buddy Philly in the comments that just says, how much do you love Tajay Spears already? Well, well, I'll just use that as a segue. I'm not saying Derrick Henry is bad. I'm saying that he's getting older, and the smart thing to do is to use him as a tool and not the entire toolbox. And a guy who can help in that process is a guy like Tajay Spears. The rookie out of Tulane, third-round pick, incredibly explosive. He diced up USC, I believe, in the Cotton Bowl, his final year of college. He's coming to the Titans and been an incredible change of pace. He's that short speed back, but he can run between the tackles. He's a physical runner. He can catch the ball out of the backfield. So rather than having just the pass catching back to go with Derrick Henry, now you actually have a real running back that can take real carries away from Derrick Henry, not just be that compliment on third down. And Tajay Spears right now is tied third in the NFL amongst running backs with 10 carries or more in yards per carry with 6.9 yards per carry. Derrick Henry, like I said earlier, maybe I forgot to mention it, is 3.6 yards per carry right now. So... I'm not saying Spears is better than Henry, but using Spears more can only help Derrick Henry and prolong him and keep him fresh. Spears is an explosive player, and I do think that they need to use him more. Fantasy football players, if if you're playing fantasy football in a deeper league, Spears isn't available. I would maybe do a little bench swap and try to get somebody who's not paying attention and get Tajay Spears on your fantasy team because he's going to get more opportunities, and he's an explosive guy. And I I think Derrick Henry's getting older, and Tajay Spears' arrival kind of go hand in hand, but it's what's best for everyone. You know, I agree with your analysis of especially constructing the roster and the and the and the running backs. The only thing that I think we sometimes don't, I think we miss one thing when we when we talk about the past winners of Super Bowls and how they've constructed the running backs. And the one thing that's missing in that conversation is, is that those winners of those Super Bowls have Patrick Mahomes and Tom Brady and good quarterbacks. And, yeah, uh, elite, and that's like a necessity top, right now. Top of the top yeah. quarterbacks. You think we're going to see a lot more, you know, Baltimore Ravens, 2000 Baltimore Ravens, even 2013 Baltimore Ravens. Joe Flacco 
went absolutely insane. He played like yeah. an elite quarterback at that time. That has he to did. be possible. So I think that's just the reality of the modern NFL with how good quarterbacks have gotten and the mobility that they have now. You, It's harder to build 85 Bears and 2000s Ravens and the Buccaneers. And, you know, it's just I don't know if that stuff happens as much anymore. You know, so I think if you're the Titans, we're talking about a bigger conversation now. We'll stick on the game, I'm sure, but... Yeah, you probably let Derrick Henry go and do everything you possibly can to find the one of those quarterbacks. Like you've you've the Titans have done the great running back, good defense thing three or four times now yeah. and had good success. You know, the Chris Johnson 13 and three year, the Super Bowl run, the Derrick Henry 2019 AFC championship. We've seen it three times now since the Titans have moved to Tennessee. The defense, run game, good running. It doesn't work. So I'm hoping that the arrival of a, a an advanced thinking general manager like Rand Carthon, he's adding Tajay Spears, not extending Derrick Henry, not extending Ryan Tannehill, drafting Will Levis, taking a swing on Malik Willis, keeping him. Like, I hope they realize, yeah, like the Browns did. The Browns were like, look, we don't know if we're going to be able to accomplish anything, but we know we're not going to do anything with, a, honestly, just a an average quarterback in Baker Mayfield. You're trying to build a Trent Dilfer. You're trying to build a Brad Johnson around a Baker Mayfield. Deshaun Watson, while it doesn't look great right now, I admit, we saw elite-level play from Deshaun Watson on bad football teams in Houston. So it's kind of the the philosophy of at some point, yeah, you got to give up on that run game-led philosophy and, and look to find that superstar quarterback at all lengths. Look at the Bengals. They had no scouts, no outdoor facility or indoor practice facility. The team wasn't taking it serious. It was mom and pop on Broadway or on Main Street. And then Joe Burrow arrives and they build it and they hire people and they take it serious. And, you know, now they have a really good roster. It's like that quarterback can change everything. So the reality is quit wasting years with high-paid running backs and do everything you possibly can to find a superstar quarterback because you have to have it now. You have to have it. Yeah. Uh, So let's look at this game. Let's look at these two teams coming into this game because two teams that probably feel very differently about things right now. Again, the Titans Mm -hmm. with the loss week one. But what happened lately? You beat the Chargers. uh, You beat the the darling team in the NFL uh, on a yearly basis. And people got to be feeling really good there. I'll tell you what, man. It was a tough. Today has been a tough day. Uh, I think Mm -hmm. all my Browns fans here in the comments, I think anybody that watches this will acknowledge this Tuesday after that Monday night game last night has been a tough game because not only do you go out there and just, not only did the Browns go out yesterday and just sheerly dominate the Pittsburgh Steelers from a defensive point of view uh, to where the Pittsburgh Steelers came back and won the game in the fourth quarter Mm -hmm. with negative seven yards offensively (laughs) in the fourth quarter. That's Uh, crazy. Yeah, you dominate. They had one big play offensively, the 70-yard touchdown. Otherwise, they got nothing going, running, passing, nothing. Uh, Not only does your offense look horrendous for the second week now, the passing offense especially, for the second week in a row, but you lose. We're talking about these big money uh, uh, running backs, but the heart and soul of this football team is Nick Chubb. And to see him go down the way that he went down – you see it in the comments. It, it, Philly says it feels like right. a funeral day. Uh, it's been yeah. a tough day here. It's been a tough day. Losing Nick Chubb like that, that's awful. And so Browns fans are in like, the, we're in the valley right now. <laughs> we're in the valley. You guys are towards right. the peak. Right. We're in the valley. Uh, but we got 
we got what promises to be a pretty good matchup here uh, between two, I think, good defensive football teams. Uh, you know, yes. the Titans, you're yeah. an Ohio State guy. Yeah. So you got to love you some Mike, Mike Vrabel. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just uh, wrote an article actually today about how the win the Titans just had in week two was a quintessential Mike Vrabel win. No turnovers. They have more penalties, but less punitive penalties. Like the Chargers got penalties on third downs on defense. The Titans do the double up score at halftime. They go into overtime. The Chargers melt, look like they don't know what they're talking, what they're doing. Like their first down or third down play for the Chargers in overtime that got them off the field. One guy, Mike Williams, didn't even run a route. He like stood at the line of scrimmage and was confused about where to go. <laughs> like the Chargers chargered. So hard in that game. <laughs> they had a fourth and two in their own territory, and Staley punted. They had a, a a third and four, and they ran it up the middle against the best run defense in the NFL last year. When you throw, you're throwing the ball all over the yard. I mean, what are Brandon Staley got absolutely worked by Mike Vrabel last week, and the Titans coming back down from eleven nothing to win that game is just. So quintessential Mike Vrabel. Mike Vrabel wins you those games because he's a good head coach. So absolutely, I am a I am a Mike Vrabel. He has his warts, and I'll be the first uh, first person to uh, tell you what they are. But at the end, of the day, I think he's a top eight head coach in the NFL. And what he's done with the Titans roster last year, and what I think he's going to do with it this year, it's just ridiculous. Give this guy a superstar quarterback, and I feel optimistic that the Titans can win that Super Bowl. Now it's going to be hard it's harder to find that than it is to find Mike Vrabel's, but I'm I'm pretty happy with what Vrabel's done and I think he's pretty comfortable in his job. All right, so let's break this down. I want to just kind of go group by group. And I want to talk matchups. And so mm -hmm. let's start with just an overall group matchup. The Titans offense, the Browns defense. Mm -hmm. Uh one of the numbers that stands out as far as Ryan Tannehill at the quarterback position so far He's getting hit a lot. Uh, mm -hmm. He's getting brought yes. down a lot through through two games. He's been sacked eight times. He's been hit a lot more times than that. Uh, mm -hmm. Offense, it doesn't, I don't know whether it's, and again, you know my feelings. I told you a little bit about my feelings on Ryan Tannehill, so I want to blame him a little bit, and you can tell me how much he is to blame. Uh, uh, but right now, it doesn't seem like there's a lot of time for Ryan Tannehill. Is he, is he late on his delivery of balls? Is he holding on to the ball too long? Uh, or is the offensive line allowing uh, uh, a little bit too much of a pass rush there? People hate this, but the answer is both. Yeah, the answer is both. Because the, the Titans have basically a brand new offensive line. They returned one starter, but he switched positions. He went from guard to center. So it's like you have five brand new starters. Andre Dillard was a first-round pick in 2019 for the Eagles, mm -hmm. and he got replaced by a seventh-round rookie rugby player from the International Pathway Program in Jordan Mailata, who turned into a great player. You know what I mean? So it makes sense, but, like, you're a former first-round pick who was supposed to be the left tackle of the future in Philadelphia, and they replaced you with a seventh-rounder, and you were just a backup all over the offensive line for the next three years and couldn't break through. Maybe you're just not that guy, you know what I mean? But they're trying to give Dillard a chance at left tackle, and he's been really good in, in run protection or in run blocking. He's the fifth best offensive tackle in the NFL in run block win rate right now. So, Dill and 
on one of the Titans' best plays in overtime, he pulled out and was leading out on the perimeter with that athleticism. So he's just struggling in pass blocking. And Peter Skaronsky, the Titans' first-round pick, who's their starting left guard, he was a top-10 offensive lineman in the NFL in Week 1 as a rookie in his first game ever against the Saints' front. And had appendicitis on Saturday. Had to have surgery, and now he's out a couple of weeks. Like, to be a Titans and a Browns fan, and these these things just happen to us. Like, whose first-round rookie leaves in the middle of the season with appendicitis at the right. worst <laughs> position group that they have where he's their best player in his first game ever in his life? That only happens to teams like uh, ours. You know what I mean? Unbelievable stuff. So they throw in Dylan Raidens. Raidens tore his ACL in Week 15 last year. He's already back and playing. He's kind of a disappointing former second-round pick. He's at left guard. He can't pass block either. He can run block, but he just has bad balance. They can't communicate stunts together. Jim Schwartz knows this team very well. I'm very worried about that matchup. On the right side, though, on the right side, the Titans have like the best pass blocking right side of the offensive line in the NFL right now. Uh, Daniel Brunskill, their right guard, is 11th in pass uh, pass block win rate. Chris Hubbard right now, who used to be a Brown, yep. and he wasn't a starter for three years, and all of a sudden the Titans sign him. He is tied for second in the NFL in pass block win rate. He's allowed, I think, one pressure and zero sacks in two games against Khalil Mack and Cam Jordan and Joey Bosa and these pass rushes that are good for the Saints and the Chargers. It's outrageous is what it is. But the center... Aaron Brewer, and the left side of the offensive line without Skaronsky, teams have been attacking it with stunts and twists, and they're getting to Tannehill a lot. So the best chance the Titans have to avoid that is to run the ball well so that they can play action more. Because if they're in third and long and Schwartz gets to call up a stunt or something to attack an offense that he knows, that is where the the Titans game can be completely broken. And whether you have Nick Chubb or not, and let me just say this to the Browns fans. I know you don't want to hear it right now. And if you're mad at Mike for it, you're going to be even more mad at me for the optimism. It's all Titans fans felt exactly the same when Derrick Henry got hurt halfway through the 2021 year. They felt exactly the same. He's the heart and soul of our team. Can't do anything. The way defenses play us is all based around him. Blah, blah, blah. The Titans ran for just as many yards, 900, 900, in the second half of the season without Henry as they did with Derrick Henry in the first half. So there's going to be less explosive plays because of the lack of threat of Nick Chubb. But your offense is, is going to be able to be fine if it's properly called. And even if it's not, Todd Downing was one of the worst offensive coordinators in NFL history. And he led the Titans to 12-5 and five without Derrick Henry for half a season. So I'm just saying, Browns fans, don't jump. Don't jump yet. That's, that's all I'm going to say. Just hold on. But yeah, moving right along, I, I think that, that Browns pass rush against the Titans offensive line is where the game can really just die for the Titans. Yeah, listen, the Browns... Uh... We're getting a good look. You talked about the Titans offensive line. We'll get to the Browns too, but uh, your your old friend, Jack Conklin, man, speaking of tough, tough luck guys, guy yeah. played about four seconds into this season mm-hmm. and blows his leg out again. And yeah. yeah, it's it's been a rough go for him over these past couple of years because when he's when he's healthy, he's great. And yeah. he just can't, he he can't get healthy. Uh, and so we know what that's like. Yeah, and, and that's uh, where the out. Titans attack right there, though, speaking of that. So. Well, we'll get there. We'll get there. Uh, so, yeah, obviously, Browns pass rush, they've got to be looking at these numbers. They've got to be looking mm-hmm. at uh, at 
and and again, a little bit of Tannehill's tendencies. He's not exactly the fastest release uh, in the NFL, and and right. you can get him thinking a little bit. I think I, I think that's mm-hmm. certainly mm-hmm. something that's always been a knock on Ryan Tannehill is is you can get him thinking a little yeah. too much, uh, and that'll <laughs> slow him down. And if they can do that, especially with coverages in the backfield, uh, Ryan Tannehill is prone to get hit. Um, mm-hmm. And so we'll see how that plays out. Uh, I have elsewhere. a theory on that that you might like as a well, guy who's not a big fan of Tannehill. I, I've been saying this lately. Uh, Tannehill plays quarterback like a guy who was taught to play quarterback. He doesn't play quarterback like a guy who was born to play quarterback. Yeah. The way he point. moves in the pocket, he doesn't have, like, I hate to do this to Browns fans. Watson has this a little bit too. Um, but Joe Burrow's pocket presence and the way he can, you know, it, it'll get real narrow with the offensive tackles, and they'll kind of like just hop through with a two-footed hop, leak out just the the feeling of, oh, I can feel this pressure. Oh, I can slide up here. Oh, I can get around. Like there's just a natural feel to playing the position of quarterback that guys have from playing it their whole life and in the biggest moments yes. and all that. And Tannehill has played a ton of quarterback, but there are just certain things that you develop that I think that he just doesn't have. And I think the thing that you're talking about, his progression, you can slow him down. He just doesn't seem to have a natural feel of, hey, if the defense does this, oh, I can make this one move here and then get it out. It's within the structure. It's the route as it's called. Second reaction playmaking, off-schedule playmaking. He's never been quite great at that stuff. The pocket presence, the progression time. Again, he plays quarterback like a guy who was taught to be a quarterback not a guy who was born to That's be a, a quarterback. Point. And I think he's maximi- he's maximized his ability, I believe, but he's 35 now and right. hit the ceiling and it can't go up anymore. It can only come down. So that, that that's kind of where I'm at with, with Tannehill, you know. So when you look at this Titans offense versus this Browns defense, again, the Browns defense off to a great start this year. They really shut down mm-hmm. Joe Burrow and the Bengals. They yeah. – Completely shut down the Steelers except for one play. You wouldn't know it by the final score of the football game, but they did do that. Uh, so yeah. when you look at the matchups, though, and you look at the Browns defensive backfield, you look at all the levels of the defense, where are the areas that the, you feel like, man, the Titans can hurt the Browns in these areas? Well, honestly, I'm going to answer this, but then answer with a question, if you don't mind. As someone who... Yeah, yeah please. It's... It's Tuesday. I don't start my film study for the opponent until Wednesday. So uh, I watched on Monday night and tried to pick up some things. But to me, I I think the opportunity for the Titans to attack is over the middle of the field. And maybe that's not necessarily entirely on the Browns. It's just where the Titans are going to find their areas to attack based on the play action pass. The Browns have an aggressive defense. Jim Schwartz has always been a, you know, balls to the wall, pedal to the metal type guy when it comes to the, he wants to bring pressure. He wants his guys aggressive and physical and angry. And I think when you have that, and especially with the threat of Derrick Henry, they're going to be trying to get to him before he gains ahead of steam. You know what I mean? They want to get to him, make contact with him. As Schwartz is a guy who watched the Titans offense fail. I know that he knows that the key to stopping the Titans offense is just relentless penetration. Okay. So if they do that, there's going to be opportunities for the Titans to, to use. It's like judo. You use the other person's aggressiveness against them, their strength against them. Let their body weight take take them in the direction you want to take them. Let them do the work for you, you know? Yep. that That's what the Titans want to do here. If they can get the Browns' defense coming forward on those fakes, then they're naturally going to have those little pockets over the middle of the field. Um, 
One thing I do want to ask you though is yeah. from what you've seen, and I don't, you know, n- not like you're, you know, scouting them every single week or whatever's going on, you know, but are, are the Browns somebody who wants to come out there and play man defense on people or have they been dropping into zones? Because that'll be a critical juncture with people like to play man against the Titans, uh, not zone because the Titans weapons don't necessarily threaten you all that much. So people like that tight press man. But I was curious to know like what the Browns typically want to do. Yeah, when you watch film, you're well. Here's what you're gonna see: you're gonna see the Browns dropped into a rant, like it felt random. I know it's not random, but it felt like they randomly dropped into a cover three against Pittsburgh last night, and boom, George Pickens, uh, uh, oh, seventy yard touchdown. Okay. Yeah, uh, because there was a bust there, uh, and they they yeah. didn't they didn't they didn't get to where they needed to get, and for some reason, Martin Emerson ran away from a tackle. Uh, but otherwise, through the first two weeks under Jim Schwartz, and again, we're, we're, we're learning the tendencies of Jim Schwartz as we're just two weeks into this, uh, but he's, you kind of know his tendencies. He has unleashed these guys. Uh, he, he looked at this defensive backfield specifically and said, we got Denzel Ward, we got Greg Newsom. Both those guys are first-round picks. We got M- this MJ Emerson kid who came out of nowhere as a third-rounder, and he's been just a physical bully of a corner. Hmm. You've got... You bring in Juan Thornhill, who is a true free safety player, yeah. which yeah. it was so desperately needed by this team. And you got uh, Grant Delpit, who is making, uh, I mean, Grant Delpit might. It's he hard was to all say over the place on Monday night. Yeah, it's yeah. hard to say who's been our best defensive player, but it might be Grant Delpit so far. <laughs> so you got these defensive backs and and uh, it's just been bully ball. That's what it's been. It's been, it's been mm-hmm. press man coverage. They did it to Jamar Chase and T. Higgins. They frustrated the heck out of those guys. T. Higgins, eight targets, zero catches. Uh, And then yesterday, they bullied the Steelers. And again, Steelers without Deontay Johnson. But they only had that one big play. And otherwise, I mean, the Browns were all over them. So you will see a lot of press man coverage. I think you'll see random zones thrown in here or there when they want to try to confuse Tannehill. Uh, Mm -hmm. But for the most part, it's... uh, it's come out and, and man up with these guys because I, I they need they to do that on first do down. It. I think that would run some man early on on first down. And then late in the second quarter, maybe even the third, throw in a cover three or roll to a cover two, something like that. Tannehill has a tendency to, to see it. I know what I'm doing with it. I'm going to throw it. And if you just give them a look early on like it's man and you've been playing man and then flip it, it there's a good chance to pick them off. That's that's something that I'm certainly going to gonna be talking about in my game preview because I can already see safeties have a tendency to to take Tannehill. So um, I'm worried about that, I guess, on this one. Yeah, so, I mean, just from the gist of what you're saying, the run game is going to be important for the Titans. <laughs> yes. Uh, as if they can stay in third and short situations, third and four, third and three, anything less than that, you think they'll be able to move the ball a little bit. But uh, if they find themselves, and I would say that's just just knowing the little bit, about the Titans offense, uh, third and long is going to be a nightmare for them. Right. Uh, Let's just say early down efficiency, right? You know, like not necessarily, I guess running the ball would be helpful, but I think the Titans offense needs to evolve a little bit here to, that's why, you know, say use Tajay Spears a little bit more, who's a little more versatile, throw on first down a little more, which they've been doing under their new offensive coordinator, Tim Kelly. So I think for the Titans, it's not just about getting the run game going. It's just early early down efficiency because whether you get into second and three or second and four from a run play or a quick pass, 
You can play action on second and four and have yeah. a manageable third down, even if it doesn't work. And that is the key to the Titans offense so that they can take those shots down the field. They're not going to be an offense that just is able to dice you up death by a thousand paper cuts and run 10 or 12, 11 great plays. They need to be able to hit some of those big bombs like they hit last week to help themselves out a little bit so that they don't have to make those grueling drives because they can't. You know, so that it'll be key that they're just efficient on early downs. I think that was one of the big reasons that that Mike Vrabel installed Tim Kelly as the OC in the first place to help him do that. Tyler, real quick before we flip the field to talk about the other side of the football for each team, uh, mm-hmm. what's the general consensus on DeAndre Hopkins so far? Um, well, I think that people are so frustrated with certain aspects of the offense, like Ryan Tannehill and then the offensive line that the eyes haven't necessarily got towards Deandre Hopkins yet. I think from the first two weeks, what I would say is he is a guy who can get open on quick routes. He's a guy who will still have sure hands and catch the ball. He's been open a lot more than he's gotten the ball. But there is a lack of athletic explosion. That He was never like a super explosive guy athletically. He always won with craft and intelligence. Right. Not that he's not an athlete. You know, I don't want to be a, the guy on the couch here saying DeAndre Hopkins isn't an athlete or anything. But, <laughs> uh, you know, he's no Tyreek Hill is the point. And, and I think that that's, that's even gone to a, to a lesser degree. So I think that he is a very solid number two receiver. At this point in the NFL, very solid, very good. The problem is that the Titans, I think, have two number two receivers. They don't, they don't have a number one receiver. So, um, and Hop, Hop, people were kind of hoping Hopkins could be like a bona fide number one receiver, and I don't think he quite has has that. Yeah, he could be like a, you know, like a a really good two A. You know what I mean? Or yeah. one one B or something, but. He he needs he can't be like the the star number one receiver for an offense anymore. He gets handled a little bit in press coverage too often, um, and I think that's just you know being older. All right, Tyler. Before we get to our predictions for this game, let's spend the last couple minutes of the show here tonight talking about the other side of the football for each team. Uh, the uh, Tennessee Titans defense uh, again. Mike Vrabel, a defensive guy, uh, mm-hmm. has those guys raring to go pretty much all the time against the Cleveland Browns offense that, again, without Nick Chubb, they got Kareem Hunt in the building for a meeting, so we'll see what that looks like uh, and what they decide to do. Uh, But uh, right now, a Cleveland Browns offense that has turned the ball over a lot. Uh, Mm -hmm. They they gave a game to the Pittsburgh Steelers uh, with turnovers, two turnovers that led or didn't lead to touchdowns, two turnovers that became defensive touchdowns in that game yesterday. Uh, the offense, the passing game not getting going, Deshaun Watson being one of the worst-rated quarterbacks in the NFL through the first two weeks, uh, and and no explosiveness outside of Nick Chubb, basically. Uh, yeah. Talk about just kind of your feelings on the Titans' defense versus the Browns' offense. Uh, I think the Titans have to have to win the turnover battle because at, at one of these defenses is going to absolutely wreck the other team and create turnovers and give their offenses short fields, which are going to be necessary against these two defenses. Like, you're going to have to help your offense out and take advantage of these turnover-prone offenses. That's what both de- both defensive coaches, both coordinators right now are saying, we are forcing multiple turnovers on Sunday. That's how we are going to win this game. It's on us. We have to do it. That Because whoever wins that turnover battle is going to, is going to win the game. And I think if you're the Titans, 
you feel very confident that you could play man coverage on this group. It's funny because I would play the Browns how the Browns should play the Titans. Tight press man coverage. They don't have the weapons that can consistently beat you over and over and over again. You shade towards Amari Cooper and try to help him. You use your middle robber to help on David Njoku. Titans aren't worried about the Browns' run game right now. I mean, they're just not. The Titans have the best run defense in the NFL. You can go two tight ends, and they're going to stop you in nickel because they have Jeffrey Simmons and Tier Tart. They've upgraded at linebacker with Aziz Alshire. They have the most physical defensive back group in the league when it comes to run defense. Kevin Byard and Roger McCreary and Elijah Molden. Amani Hooker should be back in this game after missing last week. Um, I, I think the Titans are going to line up. The Titans played a ton of zone against the Chargers trying to confuse Justin Herbert and not give him any one-on-one -on -one easy matchups to go to because the Chargers have a great offensive uh, offensive group of talent. A great group, even without Eckler. The Browns have Amari Cooper. David Njoku is pretty good, but, you know, the Titans can't be as worried about them as they were the Chargers. So I think they're going to play a ton of press, man. I think they're going to bring five. Um, they're going to spy, and they're going to try to just absolutely eat up uh, the Browns offense and force Deshaun Watson to to create turnovers. What they can't do is let Watson out of the pocket outside. They got to have discipline in their rush um, and, and make sure that they force him the direction they want him to go, which is how the Titans like to run their stunts. Um, but I, I think that the Titans defense is going to play a ton of man coverage as well and kind of flip from what they did last week with all the zone they played against the Chargers. You hinted uh, before, and I want to get to what your thoughts were because I'm I'm really inter interested in this. Uh, we were talking about Brown's offensive linemen, and you were talking about uh, mm -hmm. an area where you think the Titans can attack. What is that area? Uh, I, I think that Dewan Jones is someone that they're going to go after. Uh, I like Dewan Jones. I think that was a good pick, honestly. I, I think he's probably going to end up being a good player if he it does stay committed to it. But um, I, I, I think that the Titans will run their loop stunts They'll run their twist stunts. Uh, Harold Landry got a sack on Justin Herbert on third down to force the field goal that sent him into overtime. I thought the Titans were for certain giving up a touchdown with how they uh, <laughs> covered the pass. The, the Chargers attacked one guy. The Titans had a backup corner in Trey Avery. They threw at him 15 times, 12 completions, 100 yards, both touchdowns at the same guy over and over. The rest of everybody else actually kind of did okay. But, uh, you know, I'm a Titans fan with, traumatic memories. I'm like, okay, the Titans <laughs> let Justin Herbert go down and he's about to score and win this game. But the Titans held and they got a sack and forced a field goal, which went into overtime and then they were able to win. Harold Landry got that sack and it was on a beautiful twist stunt. The Titans run so many stunts and games up front. Harold Landry is the edge rusher on the outside and Danico Autry was the interior rusher on that side and they were going up against the right side of the Chargers offensive line. Uh, Harold Landry came in and it was almost like a basketball pick. He literally two-handed shoved the right guard on his shoulder pads so that Danico Autry could loop around him and attack the right tackle. Well, the thing is, the right tackle didn't squish down to the right guard quick enough, and Landry was just setting the pick, but he had enough room to literally just slide straight through both the guys and get right to the quarterback. Dewan Jones has great reach, great power, but he's a six foot eight behemoth. He's simply not as quick as certain other offensive linemen. It's just his natural build. He can't be the quickest offensive lineman ever. If he was, he'd be the best offensive lineman ever. We're talking about Orlando Pace. You know what I mean? He wouldn't have been a fourth round pick. So the reality is making Dewan Jones move laterally 
and deal with those twist stunts and squeeze those gaps, I just think he's going to struggle to do that. And I think, well, maybe he does well. Maybe he does well. But the Titans' plan has to be to attack him, make him move laterally, attack him with speed, uh, looping Danico Autry around. I would put Arden Key on the inside, who's the Titans' edge rusher. I would put him on the inside in this game and let him loop around and go after Dewan Jones with his speed. Same thing with Harold Landry. Um, I think they're going to bring slot blitzes off that side and some of their simulated pressures where they fake like they're blitzing up the middle, they back off, and then the slot cornerback comes. I think they're going to do a lot of that stuff towards Dewan Jones and see how quick he can move around. Test that I, quickness. I think I could speak for a lot of Browns fans right now. When I say that if the Titans' defensive uh, attack is focused on the right side of the line and Dewan Jones, we are thrilled. Because well, it's Jeffrey not Simmons is going to be on the other side. So it's not, it's that, not the Dewan Jones. The yeah. I was going to say it's not the Dewan Jones. He's a rookie. He's got, he, he held his own pretty good against TJ Watt. He got beat a couple of times, but pretty good against TJ Watt, uh, one of the best in the game. Uh, but uh, there's, we got a guy on the other side that there's not a lot of confidence in uh, here in Cleveland. And he was a top 10 pick named Jed Wills. And uh, I think the first game he looked a little bit better, but yesterday we, we, we caught him a few times doing the, the famous Jed Wills stand around and watch what's going on. Uh, and that's going to be a play, But I saw a play last night. I think the Browns were backed up like close to their own end zone. And it was like, uh, a screen pass or something was supposed to happen quickly and it didn't. And Watson started to scramble. And I saw Will uh, Wills in like the bottom left-hand corner of the screen. And he literally was just standing straight up and just like looked around and I couldn't see his face or anything, but man, we've all had that look of like, Oh, I ain't dealing with that. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, well. And he was just like, Oh, the play didn't work. Uh, you know, whatever. So, you know, this is good because in my mind, it was attack the rookie, the big behemoth offensive lineman, go after him, see how quick he can move. But honestly, the stuff that you're telling me right now and the concern, and I'm seeing it in the chat as well, a lot of smart Browns fans who watch this team all the time are echoing the things that you're saying. So that is, that's an, a reevaluation for me. And I'm glad that you said that as I go into like my film watching tomorrow on the Browns, because I'll have a different vantage point. So uh, see, Two-sided. We wanted this to be two-sided. There's a lot of great information happening right now, so I appreciate it. Now, one question, uh, again, before we before we uh, start to wrap up here, one question on the back end of the, the Titans' defense. You know, the rush, uh, that kind of front front seven is a pretty good unit there for the Tennessee Titans, and, and you see mm -hmm. that on paper right off the bat. In the pass game, though, uh, as far as passing efficiency – They've been one of the worst teams in the NFL in pass efficiency uh, and 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 basically covering the pass. Uh, so talk about the back end of that defense. Talk about the guys at the corner and safety positions and uh, and and what you expect to see out of them as they try to cover Amari Cooper, who has been a great playmaker for the Browns, mm -hmm. uh, but also guys like Elijah Moore, who they're still trying to incorporate. Guys like Donovan Peoples-Jones, who I don't, you've hardly even seen him out on the in, involved yeah. in the game at all. Uh, just talk about the Titans defensive backfield, which we, which we expect out of them. So last week they didn't have their starting safety, Imani hooker, and they didn't have their number one cornerback Christian Fulton. So they looked bad last week. And I understand that. And against the saints, there were some explosive plays, but I think 
that one of the things that I have accepted instead of being upset about the passing yards is accepting the reality that, again, the Titans are the best run defense in the NFL, and they will stop your defense, stop your run game in nickel with five defensive backs out on the field and have one play like a mini little linebacker. And they're so physical up front that they can do that. And beat Tier Tart and Jeffrey Simmons will beat your double team. They will. They'll explode it. They'll go through it and they'll eat your running back. That's what they'll do. So at some point, like the Saints, at some point, teams are just like, we're not going to run it. We're not going to be able to run. So we're just going to throw. So every year, it's like the Titans defense. If you ask Titans people, it's like, no, the Titans defense is pretty good. But look, and then people look at their pass yardage allowed stats and are like, that's one of the worst pass defenses in the NFL. But the fact is, people are just throwing the ball every time because they cannot run. They can't. And the Titans don't care. Like Mike Vrabel said it in his press conference. He said, you may not be able to stop them now, but stop them later. Just stop them. Even if you give up a million yards, stop them in the red zone. So for me, the Titans defense, whether it's good or bad, even with the passing stats, it's all about the red zone defense and the third down defense because you could throw all over. They're going to give you five, seven yards on first and second down and blah, 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 blah. But when it comes down to it, you can't run the ball and you're going to make mistakes in the passing game. And that's when the Titans are, are going to win. So the, the perception of them, I don't blame it, but like just the context that I can sure. provide from watching them, you know, it's like, no, this, this defense is, is good even if it looks like you can throw all over it. It's going to be tough. All right, so uh, here's I want you to be brutally honest with us Cleveland people. Is there any concern about the Cleveland Browns offense, especially without Nick Chubb? Like, do you go into this game going, "Uh, man, I'm a little concerned about this or that? Um, I, I would say the only thing is uh, Christian Fulton, who I said is their number one cornerback, he's coming off a hamstring injury, missed last week, was limited all week in practice. If he's not back, then the cornerback situation gets a little fishy. And then that guy that I said the Chargers targeted all the time, his name's Trey Avery. He's also coming back from a hamstring injury. Then if you can get Amari Cooper on him, then you might be able to have some success. So for me, the only person that I'm worried about is Amari Cooper. I'm going to play man coverage all day. I am going to shadow him with Amani Hooker. I'm going to have Kevin Byard play over the middle of the field and look at Deshaun Watson's eyes at all times, and I'm going to expect to get turnovers, and I'm going to expect my pass rush to get home against the Browns' offensive line that was really good a couple years ago, but look at the Colts. Offensive lines go – look at the Titans. Offensive lines go quickly. It's just the such a physical, you know, position. So I, I think if you're the Titans, to be brutally honest – the coaching staff, the only person that they're worried about beating them is Amari Cooper. And as long as you can take him away, I feel pretty confident that the Titans pass rush will win more times than not against the Browns offensive line. So totally opposite on the other side of the ball. But just to be brutally honest, that that has yeah. to be the plan. Whether it works or not depends on Deshaun Watson. But that's the plan. God, I'm so tired of saying that, Tyler. So it, it, it's a quarterback so league. Tired. Quarterback league. Titan A. Hey, Titans lost to the Bengals in 2001 in the playoffs. They were at home. Their running backs went for over four yards per carry and 140 yards and a touchdown. AJ Brown, Julio Jones combined for 200 yards. The Titans defense tied an NFL record playoff record with nine sacks, and they still lost. You know why? Because the other team's quarterback was better. It's quarterback yeah. league. Yeah. Well, we're, we we it's uh. It's become very tiresome now here in Cleveland to say, mm-hmm. well, that just depends on Deshaun. It depends on Deshaun. 
And that's how it is with Tannehill. It, but it would it's be just tiresome. Yeah. It, one of these days, for it to really depend on Deshaun, he's got to give us a game. He's got to give us the game. Uh, you know, I know, yeah. I know, I, and I'm I'm in the boat that last year, it's a throwaway. I'm not going to judge him what on what he did last year. But man, the fact that he looks so much this year like he looked last year, mm. that's problematic to me. That right. is right. problematic. There needs and to be a sign soon, a sign of life. We need a game. The, you know, there we need one. Yeah. There's I'm a Deshaun Watson game. believer outside of like okay. the off-field stuff. I would argue against Titans fans all the time. Like, no, I watched Deshaun Watson with terrible Houston Texans teams give the Titans a run for their money every time where I'm biting my nails and they need walk-off field goals and stuff like that. So I am a Deshaun Watson believer. I have I have also looked kind of dumb with, with my belief in him from what we've seen so far. You know what I mean? Like, I'm losing those arguments. I'm taking that L right now. He's got to have a game at some point where it's like, it's still in there, you know? Yeah, yeah. Well, listen, uh, What's the, uh, is there a key matchup that we haven't talked about or is there a key question that we haven't discussed as we, as we look at this matchup between the Browns and the Titans on Sunday? Um, I mean, the only question that, that I have right now is with Nick Chubb out, what do you think the Browns offense will look like? Do you like, what do they like to do in the passing game? Do, do they throw a lot of quick screens or is that not a thing? Do they throw screens? Or do you, you know, do they do jet sweeps to Elijah Moore or anything? Tyler, they haven't done any. They haven't like done that. anything quick I, this know, entire year. Nothing has been quick. Yeah, <laughs> nothing, yeah, yeah. That's that, that's interesting. Yeah. No, um, you know what? That's a great question, and that's something that I I was thinking about earlier today. And 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 we're gonna find out the medal of the coach whose seat feels like it's starting to get warm here in Cleveland. And Kevin Stefanski, a guy that was the NFL mm -hmm. coach of the year. Uh, yeah. uh, if they don't make the playoffs, but, he's getting fired. Here's my. Here's I think this is where we're going to find out you can't run an offense without Nick Chubb that you run with Nick Chubb. So is this Chubb injury going to force them to evolve their offense into something that they have time on a you, short week after a yeah. brutal physical Monday night football game that went super late and was super long. Like, do they have time? No kidding. You know? Yeah. yeah. Well, I, listen, I think you, you've got time. You know, everybody talks about Deshaun Watson being a smart quarterback. Mm -hmm. They they trying to run different looks with Elijah, Elijah Moore must have ran twenty seven miles last night. Yeah. All the motion they put him in and and everywhere. So we'll see. I am very interested to see how they evolve this offense and do they make it look a little bit more like a twenty twenties NFL offense because you don't have to do that when you have Nick Chubb, right? And especially the way he has been running, he's not yeah. he hasn't hit that down slope yet. He is just. Every game, just Mr. Reliable. Uh, mm -hmm. So you don't have to evolve your offense when you've got that guy that's just such a safety net for you. Uh, it's got to open up now. It's got to evolve, and it's got to turn into it's got to turn into something more spectacular. And and we'll see. Yep. And like you said, quicker. It'll uh, be harder on the coaches. The you brought in. Yeah, yeah, they'll have to actually scheme up opportunities. For their players, Nick Chubbs yep. is a, is the kind of guy who creates opportunities even when the play is wrong, the defense is in a better position. And when you don't have game breakers like that, it's just more pressure on the coaches to create open opportunities. Stefanski looked like a guy who could do that a couple of years ago. That faith is seems like well, it's waned. I you know, 
And and again, I, you know, I I will say this for yesterday's game. Uh, Murphy's law a thousand times over. Everything that could go wrong right. went wrong. Right. Starts right. with Nick Chubb, but it goes everywhere else. You break down the film of yesterday's game. Mm-hmm. Every time they drew up a pass, especially to get the ball down the field, a guy would be breaking open as Deshaun Watson's hitting his back in the backfield because the de- the offensive line broke down. It uh, the 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 pick That's six. That's what the Titans want too. You know. That's the how six, they try to operate. For some reason, our tight end has no idea where to go on the pick six. <laughs> yeah, that was bad. That was and bad. the ball hits his hands and pops up in the air and boom. You know, so it just everything that can go wrong will go, on, go wrong. That's why outside of the Nick Chubb thing, which is so sad. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm not ready to look at that game and say, man, we suck. Uh, no. Because defensively, no, I, I think a lot of people think the Browns are still a good team. I, I, again... Be. I know Browns fans don't want to hear it, but the Titans lost Derrick Henry for half a season and went on to get the number one seed and were just as effective in the run game. So we, I like Nick Chubb. I, I love running backs. I played running back. I was, you know, a scrubby little Midwestern running back, but the best kind reality is just like Eddie George have good coaching, right? Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) If you have good coaching, you're going to be all right. You know what I mean? Even if you don't have good coaching, it just like yep. you could put another running back in there, get a couple of them. The Titans got two off the street, Deontay Foreman and Dontrell Hilliard, who don't even play right now. Foreman was inactive last week. So it's like former Brown Hilliard. Yes. There you go. Like the Titans took those two dudes and created Derrick Henry. So just I'm like I said, step <laughs> off the ledge. I promise you guys step off the ledge. You have a great you defense. Just need Watson to play. Okay. You heard him, Browns fans. All right, let's go to our last thing. And Tyler, let's get your prediction for this game. Browns-Titans again, 1 o'clock Sunday in Cleveland here at Cleveland Browns Stadium. Uh, How do you see this one going? Uh, I think this is a game that comes down to turnovers in red zone defense. Um, Whichever team, I I don't think there's going to be a lot of scoring. I think the Browns offense is going to be severely affected. And I think the Titans are going to confuse Deshaun Watson and make it difficult and get a lot of pressure on him. I think that the same thing about the other side. I think Tannehill is going to be under duress all day. Uh, I think that the Titans' red zone defense ends up being better than the Browns' red zone defense. I think the Browns only get one touchdown. Titans are able to get two. I think it's 17-16 Titans. Look out, 17-16. I feel there's such an evenness to this matchup. I feel these teams resemble each other too much. Uh, almost yeah. there's question yeah. marks in the same places. There's emphatic periods at other places. Uh, um, I think the Browns defense continues to roll on an elite level. Um, this is a game that I think they really can put their foot down, uh, against the Tennessee Titans. And again, I, you've got, you, ha- I have to think that they will figure out offensively, um, Though it will not be pretty. This is not a game. I think I predicted them to score 30 right. against against Pittsburgh, and they yeah. should have. Uh, I'm not going to predict this, but I will. Uh, I was going to come out and say uh, 17-13 Browns. Um, and I, I think it could be a turnover fest. And I, yeah. I, I think the Browns will get – I think they'll get to Tannehill all day long, and I think mm-hmm. they can create some turnovers off of that. So I think it could be a pretty ugly game. Unless you love good defense, which I do, and then I think it could be a beautiful yeah. game. Yeah, uh, but I don't know that you could predict this one wrong. <laughs> you know, like I don't think anybody's yeah. going to come out and predict this game like thirty to three for the either team. 
whichever whichever team gets a second touchdown is probably going to win the game. Like that's <laughs> just my thought. I I certainly you know they do like confidence polls where you like rank how confident you are in each game. I'm like zero percent confident in my prediction, but I still think that whoever gets the two touchdowns wins because these defenses are too good and the offenses uh, could be better. Thing to watch on TV, and I'm praying this doesn't happen. But Leland in the comments just said it. If if Deshaun Watson doesn't look better, you're gonna hear boos on TV. Yeah. If yeah. Deshaun Watson well, doesn't look better, you're gonna hear boos. The Titans have the propensity to make a quarterback look pretty bad. All the design coverages mm-hmm. uh, or the d- disguise coverages that they used last week, they could use those. I think they'll play a lot of heavy man and just live with it. But if they want to go disguise coverages and make Deshaun Watson make mistakes, which if they're in third and long, I'm sure they will. Will third and short, they'll play man. But um, yeah, it's 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 really it's really going to be interesting to see if Watson is able to respond because the Titans are a tough challenge for sure especially if you're processing slowly and not seeing things perfect. Hey, if you want to listen to Tyler Rowland uh, as he breaks down film and does his opponent film study, getting ready for this game against the uh, the Cleveland Browns, get over. You can follow uh, Tyler. It's at Tic Tac Titans uh, on Twitter. Check out his podcast, LockedOnTitans.com, uh, which is the number one daily po- Titans podcast in the world. Tyler, man, it was a blast. Uh, You, I think, have been the most popular of the guests so far here in the doghouse. (laughs) Everybody liked you. Everybody says thanks. And you got you gave yourself major bonus points by saying that you're from Ohio. People liked you for that. So Tyler Rowland, man, go check him out. Uh, Check out what he comes up with as the Titans prepare for the Browns. And uh, we'll see what happens with those two teams this upcoming week. Tyler, thank you so much for coming on, coming into the doghouse with us and previewing this game. And uh We'll talk to you a little bit down the line, okay? Awesome. Thank you. All right. That's Tyler Rowland who came in and joined us in the doghouse. Man, that guy's that guy can come on. We got I hope they play the Titans more. I could talk to I could talk to Tyler Rowland a little bit about football. Great insight about the Titans. Great, great insight about their feelings about the Browns. Uh, it was really awesome to have him. So huge thank you to him. And it really go follow him. I know, you know, opponent team and all that stuff, but go follow him at Tic Tac Titans on Twitter to see how. The Titans are coming up against the Browns, how they're viewing the matchup, how they're uh, preparing for the matchup and all that. And uh, and yeah, that's it. So, hey, until next week for the Doghouse, uh, make sure you're tuned into the OBR. Stay tuned in just an hour. We got a huge show on Garage Beers. We got Gerard Cherry. We got, uh, we got uh, uh, Felix Wright and all that. So we will catch you over there at 9 o'clock. Until then, see you later. Go Browns, everybody.